Okay, I guess uh, the Blue Buckets might have another row or two to complete, but if you have a Bible, you can be finding Mark's Gospel and Chapter 5. We're going to read the first 20 verses in just a moment, and uh, I think they'll be coming up on the screen as well, so you can follow there if you prefer. Okay, so in our uh, series in Mark's Gospel, this is the point which we've reached, exciting morning. Let's read from verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out, and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, For we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by a legion of demons sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family And tell them how much the Lord has done for you, and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Um, Just been excited about uh, looking at this passage together. Um, A dramatic account of the power and authority of Jesus. I wonder if in going through Mark's Gospel in these last few weeks and months, or just anyway, in your own walk with Jesus, you've sometimes asked yourself the question, is the gospel only good news for those who can help themselves? In other words, well, if someone can help themselves, if only they would make a wise choice initially, then God can break in and do something. And so what we've seen so far is, uh, on many occasions anyway, Jesus gathering to to preach and to teach, uh, to heal, to cast out demons and so on, and large crowds come to him. They hear about him and they come and find him. These are all the people who've made some kind of brave or wise or faith-ish decision. We've heard about Jesus and we want to find out more, so we're going to make that journey to go and find him. You wonder what sort of cost that involved if they're walking away from the family business for a time 
um, in order to, to go to where Jesus is because we really must hear him. We really want to find out more about what he's saying. Well, that's great. They can help themselves, can't they? They can make that first step. What about those who are so troubled, they're, they're never going to make that journey. They're never going to go and find Jesus in that way. Is Jesus, is his gospel good news for people who are really, really troubled, properly damaged? And um, what we're going to see in this story is the answer is yes. You might kind of think that sometimes about people that you know, uh, friends or family members, and you just long for God to break in. Uh, or sometimes there are times when actually you feel that for yourself. Can God change me? Can God help me? Can God clean this up? Um, what are my expectations? And perhaps sometimes they can wane a little bit. A passage like this just smacks us in the face and says, this is what Jesus can do. Isn't this good news? Um, so Mark presents us with the most extreme example of God breaking in um, and blessing someone's life. We're going to meet a very troubled man. We're going to meet a very triumphant Messiah. Um, But there's a sad or strange conclusion in this passage. My hope, my expectation is that's not going to be a sad conclusion um, for us today. And so in, conclu- in concluding the message today, what I'm going to do is just invite us to stand and I'm just going to ask God by his Holy Spirit to come amongst us and minister what he wants to do. Uh, and no doubt we'll, we'll worship as well. But that's, that's where we're heading. First of all, let's have a look. Um, let's meet the very troubled man. He's very troubled because of a number of things. We see him hiding. He lives in tombs, in lonely places, He's perhaps been driven away from his community or perhaps decided to go. He just is an isolated, lonely man. He's in an unclean place. Perhaps just practically, it was the only shelter available for him, having left his community, the tombs. No one else is going to be going there, alive anyway. Um, That's where he finds shelter. Um, But it's an unclean, isolating, lonely Grim experience. He's hiding. He's also hurting. We find that no one could bind him. Uh, We get told that a number of times. I think that probably means, therefore, that when he'd been in his community, he is a very aggressive man. Uh, People had been on the receiving end of that, and it might sound a bit harsh. Why are they binding him? Well, there there was no medication to sedate or to, to kind of try and help in that regard. This was their version of medication, kind of chaining him up. Um, stopping him from doing any damage. Um, so he's, he's been aggressive to other people, perhaps. Now that he's by himself, he's turning that, his turmoil is turning towards himself. And so he's, he's cutting himself with stones. Self-harm is not a new issue. Uh, it's a very current issue. Uh, this Friday just gone was apparently Self-Injury Awareness Day. Uh, and in the UK, we have one of the highest rates in Europe of self-harm, uh, particularly among young people. But here we see a man who's hiding, who's hurting, and who is hopeless or helpless. The whole situation is getting worse because nothing works anymore. Um, we find that out uh, because he'd often been chained hand and foot, but he, ch- he tore the chains apart and broke the irons 
uh, on his feet. Um, Before that, perhaps he was bound, but it didn't require chains. Now even chains won't keep him. This is some kind of uh, supernatural, ungodly uh, strength. Uh, The problem is growing. No one was strong enough to subdue him. And then, for one reason or another, that's why he's... He's out. He's kind of in some kind of exile. He's lonely. He's by himself. Now, the explanation this passage gives us is that this man is influenced or troubled by evil, or a footnote in your Bible might say unclean spirits. And we can think, goodness me, in today's day and age, in the West, um, with the way in which we, we learn and think, what on earth are we to make of that? The NIV uses a very unhelpful translation later on by using the phrase demon-possessed, um, which is not actually accurate to the text. Um, maybe in centuries past that had a less um, controlling sound to it. A better phrase would be, he was demonized. He was influenced by demons. He was troubled uh, by evil spirits. And we're told that they call themselves or refer to themselves as legion. Well, what was a legion? Obviously, they live in a time and place where the Roman Empire is ruling, and maybe they'd be used to a Roman legion of soldiers marching past. That would take a while, because there would be around 6,000 soldiers. Now, in the scripture, often numbers aren't mentioned in a precise, exact, scientific way is to give an indication this is a massive number. This is a huge number. Um, And so this guy somehow has become troubled or influenced by um, a vast number of evil, unclean spirits. Now, again, what are we to make of that? This is the most extreme case. We've seen other situations um, earlier on in the Gospels where someone is sat in in the synagogue uh, appearing to be in their right mind, and Jesus manages to, um, you know, a, a, a demon manifests, Jesus deals with it, the guy's free. Well, not actually quite as severe a case as the, the one we come across right here. It's a little bit like, imagine, and hopefully you only have to imagine, your computer or laptop has become uh, affected by a virus. Okay? Somehow, Someone's got into your email account, and before you know it, you're advising all of your friends to click here and buy Viagra or something, and you have to quickly get in touch. I'm sorry, it wasn't me, honestly, and uh, I've now dealt with the issue. And it's a, it's a frustration, it's an inconvenience. It's not too difficult to fix, actually, and you can kind of quickly move on. Sometimes that is the influence of a demon, just nuisance. It, can, it's, it just gets brushed off. It's not absolutely crippling, but it's still hampering the performance of your computer, so it's worth dealing with. Um, Obviously, actually, viruses that affect computers can be really, really severe, Um, and you can do a Google search on what the worst ones are called and what effects they had, where actually it's just complete corruption, all the data on your computer is lost, it's never coming back, and ah, ah, bigger, bigger problem. Sometimes it comes about because, oops, I clicked on something that I shouldn't have. Maybe something popped up on the screen, it's kind of inadvertent. You think it's what you were searching for, and you click on it, and you realize, oh, no, then that's the problem. Right, don't click any further, because there'll be issues. 
Um, and sometimes we can click on something and think, oh, I, I shouldn't have clicked on that. Now, it's all um, trying to take some measure of control. And if we don't deal with a virus on the computer, then the computer just starts to deteriorate. It doesn't work as well. And in some ways, that's how um, the Bible explains the influence of demons. Here would just be one example from Ephesians. Um, A possible way in which the enemy can seek to uh, influence us would be in Ephesians chapter 4. Just reading briefly from verse 26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are angry. Now, we've probably, many of us might have heard that before. Verse 27. And do not give the devil a foothold. In other words, by allowing anger, which we all know what that feels like, but if we allow it to kind of rest, as it were, if we allow it to settle in us, we are actually giving what the Bible calls there the devil a foothold. That's not yet a massive stronghold. It's just an opening, an opportunity for him to kind of lead us further into anger, for it to become a bigger problem, um, a bigger issue. Maybe then that if we were to allow it, it sort of becomes a thing that just starts to dominate our character and not now just how we interact, sorry, not with the worship leader, I don't need to motion there particularly, um, not how we just interact with one person. Well, I'm angry with them because they said this. Now it's just anger with lots of things, lots of different people, lots of different issues, and it's kind of just become a, a, a bitterness. So the Bible in Hebrews talks about, you know, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no, no bitter root grows up that actually defiles many people causes a lot of trouble. Now, I've got to make sure, just quite simply, if that's all that you take away from today, when I'm angry, I must deal with it. I must forgive as soon as I'm aware that there's anything to forgive. Because I don't want to give the enemy a foothold to start to kind of influence how I am, who I am, how I interact, interact and so on. So we meet this very troubled man. Perhaps that's what happened for him. He um, gave the enemy a, a, an opportunity or a number of opportunities um, which, the, uh, which he's been able to uh, make use of. However, we also meet a triumphant Messiah. How does Jesus respond to this army of evil that is coming at him? Now, I just want to point out a few things briefly. Uh, firstly, let's just see, first of all, that it is Jesus on the move. It's Jesus taking the first step. Consider the journey he's taken so far. He was on the other side of the lake, and he said, right, let's get into the boat. We're going to the other side. Jesus gets onto the boat. They go onto the lake, and they're sailing, rowing across the lake. A massive storm kicks up. I wonder why that happened. Jesus rebukes the storm. He overcomes the storm. They keep going. They get to the other side, and Jesus steps out of the boat. So when it says this man ran to Jesus and fell at his feet. He's not taking the initiative. It's the legion of demons that are reacting because their covers got broken. It's Jesus on the move. It's the kingdom of God advancing. It's a triumphant Messiah saying, I am here. 
He's taking the advance. So firstly, Jesus is on the move. Secondly, Jesus is the first to speak. With the way that we read the passage, we might miss that fact because we suddenly hear um, of this man saying, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Verse 8, for Jesus had said to him, so Jesus has already spoken. Jesus was the one to speak. Come out of this man, you evil or unclean spirit. So again, Jesus is in charge. Jesus is the man with authority. He makes the first move. He speaks, and it's, it's these evil demons on the back foot, as it were, reacting, realizing their cover is blown, and then kind of coming to Jesus. Um, and look, thirdly, Legion knows who Jesus is. Saying, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? The disciples on the boat are still trying to work it out. Who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They don't fully understand who Jesus is yet. This guy, under an evil influence, is, n- is not in the dark at all in that sense. Totally aware of who this person is coming uh, towards him. The result of that is they're kind of cringing, desperate, terrified. They're resisting, but at the same time, they know their time is up. This is the Son of God. You know, we were in glory, but as angels, we decided to rebel against the Son of God. We got cast out from our heavenly place, and so we came down to earth, and we found somewhere to hide out for the rest of time. Uh, and this guy has provided a very convenient host, so we've stuck around with him for a while. We've driven him into lonely places so that no one else can really find us and realizes we're here. And we're kind of safe. But then the Son of God decides to come to earth. And the Son of God is a Nazarene. And then the Son of God comes over the lake. And then the Son of God comes out of the boat. We are properly rumbled, is the general gist of what I think is going on uh, for Legion at this time. So again, they, they rush down, they fall at his feet, but they're try- I think it's just, they're trying to distract him. They're trying to take him off guard. They're trying to make sure he doesn't exercise his authority in some way because they know if he does, they haven't got a hope. And so that's what they're saying. Don't, don't torture us. It's, it's like kids at school smoking behind the bike sheds, kind of finding the place in school where, where no one's going to look and then just turning around and seeing... Mum and dad, and the headmaster, and Jesus. It's like, oh. (laughs) It wasn't me, it wasn't me. Um, It's just properly brought into the light. Oh dear. Now, at this point I want to explain something just very quickly. Look, the evil spirits know that their final destiny is torture. They know of God's judgment and what that will mean for them. And for them, that is inescapable. Matter of time, but when the day of judgment comes, lake of fire, there you go. Um, So for them to say, swear to God that you won't torture me, they understand what Jesus is going to do to them. But look, they're trying to influence that man to feel the same way. So imagine it now, this man's just perjured. God, don't torture me. No, mate, you're completely misunderstanding this. Jesus hasn't come to torture you. Jesus has come to do you good. These evil spirits want to 
want to influence you so that you feel the same way they feel. And they rebelled once and for all, and they rejected God. Now they are rejected beings in turn, destined for destruction and torture, and they want people to feel the same. Jesus is coming to deal with those spirits in order to free this man so he no longer feels like that. So he's no longer weighed down by this turmoil of rejection and fear and just hurt and pain that's turning inwards. A couple other things about Jesus, the triumphant Messiah. He, Legion, knows who Jesus is and Jesus knows who he is. He is leading the advance. He is commanding, as we said in verse 8. Come out of this man, you evil spirits. He is authoritative. Um, In verse 9, Jesus asks him, what's your name? Jesus speaks and expects to be answered. Um, And whereas we see um, Legion running, falling on his knees, resisting, but a number of times begging, please swear to me. Jesus gives them permission to go into the pigs. He's completely in charge. And Legion has to submit. Uh, They have no choice. And Jesus brings total change, total freedom to this man. Just see the turnaround. See the difference. See the transformation where this man began hiding hurting and hopeless. Now, when people from the towns and villages come, they see a man who is sitting there. Well, maybe before he hadn't been sitting there. He'd always been busy and angsty and aggressive. Now he's sitting there. We could assume that he had no clothes on, which is what the other gospel writers uh, tell us, or one of them at least. Now he's dressed. He's in his right mind. It's a complete change. He's been completely isolated. He's been completely in hiding. Now Jesus says, go and tell your family what God's done for you. And he goes to ten cities. He goes to the region of Decapolis. And he says, this is what Jesus has done for me. Actually, this man is the first apostle. This is the, the first man to get sent to go anywhere. The disciples are still with him, with Jesus, learning all the lessons. This man gets to go and minister to a whole region of people about who Jesus is and what he can do for you. This is amazing. A complete change, a complete turnaround, a massive uh, transformation. This is all because of the good news. Remember, Mark begins his gospel like this. The beginning of the gospel. The beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We are encountering good news. People were encountering uh, good news. They're encountering a a risen saviour. I I love how it puts in um, in Colossians chapter 1. Just describing what God has done for us who are... uh, who are saved. <clears throat> In Colossians 1 and verse 13, it's uh, talking of Jesus, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It is a completely different realm. It's a completely different kingdom. Rescued out of the dominion and the control or the authority or the power of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the son he loves, which is a kingdom of forgiveness and redemption and rescue. That's, that's what it is, redemption. Somebody being kind of rescued 
from their plight and not just set free but sent into purpose sent into the plans that God's always had in mind this is incredibly good news now I'd like to invite you at this point to put yourself in the passage now how are we going to do that Often when we read the Gospels, we'll think, okay, there's Jesus. I'll identify myself with his disciples, with his group of followers that are with him at the time. Well, we can't so easily do that in this passage because it doesn't really talk about the disciples at all. We'd be fairly bold to put ourselves straight into Jesus' position. And it's not accurate for us to put ourselves in Legion's position. Why do I say that? Because if anyone was as troubled as that man, uh, they wouldn't be here. (laughs) Uh, They'd be in a very lonely, dark place. That can sow a seed as, what are we called to, therefore, in terms of taking the gospel and taking good news out of this place? But anyway, just looking at how do we place ourselves in this passage? We are like the locals We're like the people from the towns and villages who catch wind of what's happened and come to find out. Because like them, we're Gentiles, or at least I assume the vast majority of us are, and we live in a Gentile land. Jesus has come into Gentile territory by coming over the lake. Jesus has come a long way to reach us. So for these people, Jesus has got on the boat, He's come over the lake, he's overcome the storm, and he's landed on our side of the lake. And so for us, think about how far Jesus has come, all the way from a throne in glory to earth, through the storm, overcoming death on the cross, and he's reached all the way through time, over many seas, to land on our shores We didn't witness what actually took place, like those people. It happened, they turn up later and and find out or try and work out what has happened. They heard a report from other people. Now they're trying to make sense of this man. It's like a weird riddle. They see Jesus, they see a man that they once knew, but it's really different now. And they see 2,000 dead pigs. Or they hear of 2,000 dead pigs in in the lake. How are we supposed to make sense of this? And it tells us that their response is, in verse 15, they were afraid. They weren't rejoicing. They were scared. I wonder as well if they were irritated. Somebody has just lost 2,000 pigs. I think that's probably a bit of money, a bit of livelihood. Their sense of security. Maybe they've been totally rumbled. Maybe some Jews have come over the lake. And uh, well, they're not really supposed to have anything to do with pigs. Um, but there's a bit of a money-making opportunity here. We could still rear them and sell them to the Gentile scum who live down the road, and uh, then we can make lots of money for ourselves, even though we're not allowed to eat pig pork. Um, so maybe they're feeling properly rumbled as well. Um, their little racket has uh, blown up in their face. But for whatever reason, they are scared. And I wonder if, for some anyway, the thinking goes a little bit like this. Well, I'm not nearly as messed up as that man was. But I don't want what is tucked away 
neatly hidden in my life. Yeah, I've not had to hide myself in the caves, but there are some things that I'm keeping hidden and that reflect some kind of preference towards dark rather than light. And this man, maybe he was totally up front, is really blatantly obvious. You've got issues. But I don't want anybody to know mine. And I don't want Jesus to expose me, even if that means I get free. And so that can be the case. Afraid, irritated, not as troubled as this guy, but maybe we sometimes prefer to hide our own mess. It's not necessarily demonic, not necessarily influenced by demons. It's just anger. It's, I just lost my temper. Oh, I just lost my temper again. It's just envy. It's just lust. It's just porn. It's just one click. But that's become a pattern. It's just unforgiveness. And the person's in another congregation now. So perhaps it's less important to go resolve that uh, difficulty anyway. It's just one more cut. It's just one more way of trying to take away the pain I feel on the inside. It's just that I don't want to be with people right now. And that desire is actually growing. I just prefer to be by myself. And it's just getting a little bit worse. What next? Well, the sad conclusion in the passage happens in verse 17 or 18, and, and 17 and 18. These people were scared, they were afraid, a bit irritated, they'd seen the pigs. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Think about it. Legion begged Jesus, don't send us away. Jesus commands them. The people now beg Jesus, please leave our region. Verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, Jesus went. Jesus left them. They asked Jesus to go. They asked the one to leave who had the authority to bring them into a new life, to forgive their sin, maybe to do what he's done elsewhere and start a healing movement and uh, and also actually deal with some evil stuff and free people, maybe from chains that we don't see, chains that we don't have to wear. It's just stuff that's in there. And they sent Jesus packing. So we see the triumphant Messiah. How does the triumphant Messiah respond to that? He says, okay, I'll go back. Who knows why Jesus thought it was so important to go to the other side? Did he even realize this man was there? Um, well, he was willing to make that journey for one guy because he went again. But, and that community has been left with the first apostle. But how much more could they have received that they missed out on? Whether that's deliverance from the demonic or not. They chose to send Jesus away. I wonder if you're familiar with the game Jenga. Uh, we're quite a fan of the game Jenga. You've got a tower of wooden bricks, um, all in layers, three bricks on top of three bricks. And the, the idea of the game is to, to take out a brick 
If you're playing the game properly, you do it with just the one hand. Take out one brick and then place it on the top. And so as the game goes around, as everyone has their turn, the tower gets taller and taller. That's the aim of the game. See how tall you can make this tower. Um, But as the game goes on, it becomes a bit more tricky. And so whereas to start with, you might just grab a brick because it's easy. As the game goes on, you tap really gently. And if it starts to move, okay, that's fine. I can slowly nudge that one out and put that one on top. If it doesn't, if it's stubborn, you don't go in really hard because you don't want to knock the tower down. And you try a different one. And actually that's how Jesus often responds to our stubbornness. That's okay. I'll leave you to it. If, if you want to handle your mess, I'll leave you to it. And maybe I'll come back again later on in the game and just see if you're a bit more willing to budge this time. Ah, there's some movement. Wonderful. Okay, the tower continues uh, to grow. Do we actually want Jesus to leave so that we can continue to hide what's really going on? Or do we want Jesus to come closer? What's our response uh, to Jesus right now? It might feel inconvenient, uh, as it did for those townsfolk who saw what had happened. Oh, we just, no, no, that's, that's a bit too chaotic, it's a bit too messy, it's a bit too unpredictable. Um, go back, we'll just do life the way we know how to do life. Rather than, we don't know where this is precisely going to lead, but if you can change that man in the way that you just have, I think you could do a power of good to our community. Why don't you come in? Follow me. I'm taking you back for a meal. <laughs> I want to get some time with you. And that's the, that's the encouragement I have. It was a sad conclusion for them, but it needn't be a sad conclusion for us. Because by his spirit, Jesus is here with us. He is available and he's a triumphant Messiah who is angry with evil and really compassionate with people. Really a huge love. Look at that journey that he's taken to come and be right close to us, to come and be available to us. Look at what he's overcome when he stilled the storm, when he rose from the grave victorious. We're potentially in the benefit of his work amongst us. Um, So why don't we stand? We're not going to have music and worship straight away. We're coming to Jesus. Let's learn the lesson from this passage and allow Jesus to take the initiative in our lives. Allow him to draw close. Request that he does. Now we can request that in faith. It's not come close God if you want to it's Lord we see from the scriptures we know you want to it's not are you compassionate it's we know you're compassionate it's not are you good it's we know you're good it's not are you authoritative in whatever situation mess chain scenario I face right now it's not are you powerful to deal with that are you able it's not you are able therefore I'm making myself open to you come and meet with me